Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. The Nuggets are massive favorites in the NBA Finals. The Heat, do they have an opportunity here? But what is on the line for Denver and especially their superstar, Nikola Jokic? It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. ESPN Radio, Series XM, Channel 80. Canty, you know, we talked yesterday about this potentially being the start of a dynasty. That's how strongly we feel about the Denver Nuggets and the pieces that they have in place. Uh, they're of their four primary uh, pieces that are the core of their team, they're all under contract for at least two years after this season. They are not going anywhere. As you look at this right now, it strikes me that a lot is on the line for the Nuggets to win. Even if you think that they're going to be around for a long time, be careful. It doesn't always happen that way, even though on paper it looks like it does. Yeah, and here's what I would say. I I think when you look at the Miami Heat, although they are clearly a worthy opponent, looking at the run that they've gone on, from a talent standpoint, they don't stack up to some of the other teams that we picked coming into the season to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. I think if you told the Denver Nuggets that they were going to be in the NBA Finals and they had their choice of three opponents, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, or the Miami Heat, 10 times out of 10, they're probably taking the Miami Heat. So from a talent standpoint, we know that Miami is not on par with some of the other better teams in the NBA, and yet here they are. So, But I look at it from the standpoint of the Denver Nuggets, this feels like a ready-made opportunity to start your dynasty with its first championship. Yeah. Like it feels like th- – like I don't have a crystal ball. It's hard to see into the future. But it's hard to envision – that the Denver Nuggets, if and when they do get back to the NBA Finals, would play a team from a talent standpoint that has less than the Miami Heat. Think about this. The Miami Heat have four undrafted players in their playoff rotation. Ain't a whole lot of teams out there doing that, big fella. They're just not. And so from that standpoint, it does create a little more urgency and, dare I say, a little more pressure for Denver to get this done. We keep talking about how much Jokic has to be gained with his legacy if he wins this title to legitimize or validate the back-to-back MVPs he won a couple of years ago. But think about the inverse. If Nikola Jokic loses this series to the Miami Heat, when they have home court advantage, when they're clearly the more talented of the two teams, what does that say about him as a player? I I think it's... I think it's very tricky for Jokic because this is if they lose this series, it is going to ramp up the pressure on him to win a title. It it's kind of been there so far, but in a lot of ways, this playoff series, despite the fact that he's been around for six, seven years now, this playoff series, uh, playoff season rather, has been America's introduction to Nikola Jokic, and even more people are going to see him tonight. And through the finals, they're going to start to look at him like, wait a minute, you're a great star. That's going to ramp up that pressure. And here he is speaking on uh, the idea that the Nuggets are favorites in this series. Who said that we are favorites? The media and Las Vegas tells us that we are not, we were underdog before. It's not correct, I think. I mean, I think we are not the favorites. Uh, I think in the finals, there is no favorites. We, this is going to be the, the hardest game of our life, and, and we know that, and we are prepared for that. No, they are favorites. They're four to one favorites, in fact, in this series at minus 410. 
Canty, this would ramp up the urgency for Jokic to win a title if he doesn't win one this year because people are going to look at this heat culture aside as a golden opportunity for him to get his first. Oh, there's no doubt. And think about it. You're talking about four playoff series to win a championship. Three of your poor playoff series are against play-in teams. Play-in team in the Minnesota Timberwolves. Play-in team in the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm. Play-in team with the Miami Heat. They're playing teams. Yeah. That's the reality of it. You can say, huh, you can groan all you want. But uh, the Lakers reason, thing, th- I mean, you know. What what do you mean the Lakers thing? You don't know. They were were a play-in team. They were a play-in team by definition, but we all all understand that the the Lakers were a play-in team because they had to play in the play-in tournament. Okay, so what about the other two play-in teams that they would have had to go through in order to win a championship? Well, all I'm simply saying is how many years are you going to have an opportunity for a title run where you're playing against three play-in teams in the playoffs of the four Series that you have to win, you're playing three playing teams. How many times are you going to be able to rake a run to the finals and do that and say that about your opponents? Not very many, which is why they've got to have a heightened sense of urgency in order to get this done. I'm sure they already do. I'm sure they're already extremely motivated. But taking a macro look at this and going through the, the different outcomes and the legacy conversation when it comes to Michael Malone, when it comes to Nikola Jokic, this is undoubtedly going to be a huge part of it. And if they come up short, then there's going to be a lot of naysayers that come out of the woodworks and say, I told you so, when it comes to the Denver Nuggets' regular season success, not translating to postseason success. And also when it comes to Jokic being a two-time MVP and not necessarily being a guy that's at that level. Listen, I, I look at the... We can we can quibble about whether or not they're a play-in team. Yes, they were by definition a play-in team with the Lakers. That all of that aside, okay. This they, is they, the, oppor- the Miami Heat were a play-in team. The yes, Minnesota they were. Timberwolves were a play-in team. Yes. How many times are you going on a title run where you're playing against two or three play-in teams to win the chip? No, I understand that, Chris, but th- we can't use the same thing when we're talking about uh, the the fact that the Lakers, you were picking the Lakers to beat the Nuggets, first of all. And, and they got swept. Uh, yeah. And they second, got swept. And secondly, on the Heat, we're talking about yesterday that this is a Heat team that made the finals last year, and now we're going to turn it and say that they're a play-in team. They I are. Get it. That's, that's a fact. That's not even something that's debatable. It's a fact. What it does is it shows you how meaningless the regular season is. The point is, they have an opportunity here. We agree on the central notion that this is a great chance to have uh, to have in front of you to win your first title. And if they don't, it starts to put a stain on Jokic specifically. And when we get to all of that, if you're the Nuggets right now, that ramps up that pressure at the moment to win. Do you feel like right now, the Heat at plus 320. We know about the culture and all that. That stuff aside, do you think the Heat feel any pressure here whatsoever to win this series? Yeah, I think they feel pressure because they have the expectation that they should win. Yeah. I think it has to do with the work that they put in in order to get here. They believe in their method. They believe in the plan that Eric Spolstra lays out for them in terms of a path to victory. So, yeah, I think the Heat have expectations to win. Like, whatever Vegas says, whatever prognosticators say about what this series is going to look like and how one-sided it seems to be based on the talent base of the two teams, the Miami Heat don't care about none of that. And they've proven that at every step of the way. And then if you look at the runs that they've been on over the last half decade, 
that continues to illustrate my point. Like, they, they don't care what anybody – they truly don't care what anybody else says, and they go about their business in a very workmanlike manner. And, I, and I, the I, level of consistency that we see from the Miami Heat – is one of those things that makes me trust them in the biggest moments. I'm not worried about how they're going to react when the lights are brightest in the NBA Finals. See, There is still a question mark on what we're going to see, what version of the Denver Nuggets show yep. up tonight in Ball Arena. Well, that's what I want to know. How are the Nuggets going to handle this? How are the Nuggets going to handle the pressure of being the favorites? Because, yes, they want to downplay all of that talk, and I understand it. But are they going to just put it all aside – and be able to just perform as they have throughout the postseason. Here's Jay Williams this morning on KJM on how this series might look. I think a sweep is on the table. I do think that at the end of the day, the power and the sides of Denver is going to be different. You've never heard the word yeah. sweep coming out of my mouth with Miami. I may have picked against Miami, but I never said sweep. This well, one I think is different. Sweep. Yes, I'm saying I'm holding a broom in my hand today. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. But I think there's a good chance it's a gentleman sweep. And it's nothing against the Heat as much as we're going to talk about the culture and all that stuff. And I'm doubting the Heat at my own peril here. I, I, I just, it's one of those situations, Canty, where I look at it and it just looks like there's too much. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not betting against Jimmy Butler. I, no. I've, I've learned my lesson. I have too much respect to him as a competitor. Um, too much respect for what the Miami Heat have built. I mean, when you start talking about top competitors, not just in basketball, but in all of sports, Jimmy Butler is right there at the top of the list. I mean, he, he's with a handful of guys in terms of the most competitive athletes in sports today. I can't bet against somebody like that after seeing what they've done this postseason. I just won't do it. I, I think I will be rooting very hard for the Miami Heat. And for, and for Jimmy Butler, because I truly believe this would be one of the great accomplishments in professional sports for a team and for a player. I will say this. The line for tonight's game is, is real rich for the Denver Nuggets. What nine is it, nine? Points? Nine points? That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, cuz. I'll, I'll ask you this one real quick. Do you think they have a better chance in game one or game two? I actually think they have a better chance in game one. I actually think they have a better chance in game one. And I saw an interesting stat this morning. Like, I mean, just thinking about the Nuggets run, they haven't lost at home in the playoffs this year. They yeah. haven't lost. Right. Now, there's only been, there hasn't been one team that's gone, that's won 10 games without losing a home game in the postseason. There's only been one, there hasn't been one team that's done that. So I think that's a little bit interesting when you start looking at the history of it and the run that the Nuggets have been on and how dominant they've been at home. It feels like they're due to lose one, and I would probably bet that Miami has a better chance of shocking them in Game 1 than they do in Game 2. Tune in. It is Game 1 of the NBA Finals tonight, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Canty and Carlin in for Grinny, presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Up next, the team that needs another superstar receiver the most, not the one you think. Canty and Carlin for Greeny, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Yeah, no, I'd say like last year, anytime there's someone that's available, free agent, I'd say Joe and his staff are going to look into it, research it. You know, we talk about really a lot of different players. So regardless of who it is, uh, that's part of our job is to make sure we're, we're doing our due diligence. That's Brian Dable, the Giants head coach, on their potential interest in DeAndre Hopkins as another weapon for Daniel Jones. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Canty, we have a green list. Uh-oh. We Let's have go. a green list of the top five landing spots for DeAndre Hopkins. For me, what I think are the top five teams that could really use him, and I want to get your take on how I laid this out. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List, number five. I'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs at number five, and you can argue that they should be higher on this list. I'm not going to put them higher on the list for a couple of reasons. Number one... I don't know if they just kind of put it out there yesterday. Jeremy Fowler was uh, saying that the Chiefs consider Kadarius Toney a possible number one. Maybe that's just a smokescreen because on the Hopkins thing. Yeah, I don't know if he's a number one. I would say that's asking for a bit much. But I do think they have enough already where Hopkins doesn't necessarily need to be a priority. But I can't argue that he would help them. Do they believe that Sky Moore has taken that next step? You know, they drafted Rasheed Rice, who they like a lot. Marquez Valdez-Scandling is very good. It depends what level Hopkins was at. If this was three years ago, Hopkins, 
I think it'd be a, a no-brainer for them to do it. I don't know how much he'll help, but I do think he would help enough to warrant being on this list. Number four. The Giants. The Giants could absolutely use another receiver for Daniel Jones. And look, they have gotten better, but they still need to improve in that regard. He needs as many weapons as he can. Uh, I think there's always going to be a concern around where uh, they are when it comes to uh, Saquon Barkley, him being able to stay healthy. Jalen Hyatt, I I think he's capable of doing some really good things, but what's the learning curve going to look like? And, you know, starting right now for the Giants at receiver, probably Wandale Robinson, Darius Slayton, and maybe Isaiah Hodgins. You know, it's it's not great. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. So they could definitely use the help. Number three. The Buffalo Bills. I'm putting the Bills on the list because, I, for one reason, I think it'll make Stefan Diggs a lot happier. Uh, Stefan Diggs, if you'll remember, at the end of last season, was not particularly happy. Uh, I think he felt like he wasn't getting the ball enough, which is amazing to think. But then, when you realize what the supporting cast is with the other receivers, Gabe Davis did not become the guy that they expect him to be. DeAndre Hopkins would certainly at least draw the respect uh, of the other team uh, and and certainly take a little bit of pressure and the attention off of Stephon Diggs. So mm-hmm. I absolutely believe he could help the Buffalo Bills. Number two. The Dallas Cowboys, Canty. You know, I wonder, I just wonder... What the price tag was, because I'm sure that at some point they called before they made the Brandon Cooks trade, that they wanted to add somebody like Hopkins to C.D. Lamb and Gallup. I still think they could use him now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that number, you know, Hopkins wants. I don't know if I would say Odell money, but we heard from Diana earlier. He wants good money. Cowboys could really use DeAndre Hopkins. I, I think that would really take their offense to the next level and it's a pretty good level right now number one this is a team nobody's talking about deandre hopkins on the detroit lions mm-hmm. no jameson williams for the first six games of the year amon ross st brown is terrific marvin jones is your number two right now they traded away tj hawkinson they did draft sam laporta at tight end but canty i think deandre hopkins would be a great Great addition for the Detroit Lions, who are going places. And what's the one thing that all of those teams have in common? They are all very much contenders. Your thoughts? I like the list. Surprised we didn't have the New England Patriots on that list or the Cleveland Browns. So I had the New England Patriots as an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that I held off is, even with DeAndre Hopkins, are the Patriots contenders? Are they good enough offensively to be contenders? With Hopkins, I, I, it just depends on how you how you look at Mac Jones. But I yeah. will say this: that defense is good enough to contend. Yes, I would that agree defense, with that. No doubt, is good enough to contend. I I like the other places for him as instantly making them better. I think Hopkins with the Patriots would obviously help, but does he kind of take the offense to that next level at this point in his career? I'm not sure. And then the Browns. I can't argue with that. They would yeah. have been sixth on the list. Yeah. They absolutely would have been sixth to me because him and Watson and Cooper, 
that would have been a very, very difficult group to contend with. And, and not just and, that, Nick Chubb in that run game, too. Oh, my God. I mean, if, listen, if the Cleveland Browns got DeAndre Hopkins, you're talking about the AFC North being a three-team race. So if, you, if they got Hopkins, you, know, you can't say it yet, where does that put them, though, in those three offenses? If we're going to operate under the assumption that Deshaun Watson is going to be back to what he was before the They're trip. every bit as good as any of the other offenses, yes. Because I mean, it might be 1-1-A one, one and 1-B. One because, because of the run game dictating yeah. a lot of the fronts and the coverages they're going to face, if you got not one but two receivers that can consistently win in one-on-one coverage, that offense is as good as any offense in that division. The only other team I had on the list as an honorable mention was potentially the Jets, but they're not going to do it, and they do have a lot there to begin with. I just wish they hadn't gone out and, you know, brought in Randall Cobb, and I, I would even ha- rather have Hopkins over Lazard at this point. Yeah, I mean, they got Lazard. They, they traded for Miko Hartman, or they signed Miko Hartman after they traded Elijah Moore. Um, and then you're talking about adding Randall Cobb, too. You already had Corey Davis. You already had uh, Denzel Mims. You already had Garrett Wilson. You got a lot of bodies in that wide receiver room. They're not going after D-Hop, even though – I would argue that D-Hop would be the second-best receiver in that room if they signed him. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. In moments, every minute of the NBA Finals, as you know, is right here on ESPN Radio. And the man who will be calling it will join us in just moments. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Greeny, the podcast. The finals on ESPN Radio. Jokic on the drive, got deep and scored for the lead. We understand that we're heading to the NBA Finals, and we have four more games to try to win. Murray will turn, shoots for three. Go! Lost the ball, put from behind by Butler. Butler gets it back and slams it. The longer you're around in this business, you realize the harder and harder it is to do something like this. Martin on the right side, shoots a three straight away, thrills it! It all begins tonight, game one of the NBA Finals. It is the Nuggets hosting the Heat. Coverage, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time here on ESPN Radio, 8.30 over on ABC. It's Mark Kestisher, P.J. Carlissimo, Doris Burke, Roz Gold on Wooday. They will have all of the coverage. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance and the great P.J. Carlissimo joins us right now, ESPN radio NBA analyst. And Bubba, 
wants me to make sure to point out Fordham legend PJ Carlissimo, <laughs> who joins us right now. He's a Fordham guy. He couldn't. Uh, he could not help himself. PJ, we appreciate the time. Let's just get right into it. What was your initial instinct slash inclination when it was official that we had this matchup of the Heat and the and the Nuggets? Um, anxious just to get it going. I, I think, you know, it's interesting. It, it's funny, always before the first game, you look at the two regular season games. These two teams are, are very different, Miami in particular, from when they played uh, earlier in the year, although they were both good games. I mean, they had like 33 lead changes in the two games. It was They were interesting games. Um, I, I just I want to see it. We were, we were West. We watched the other ones like everybody else. We watched the East. Uh, Doris was back there with Dave Pashtun in the East. And uh, Miami's playing so much better, I think, than they played for most of the year. They're healthier. I mean, you look at the you know games played, their column, uh, there's hardly anybody that was above 70. So uh, it's significant, and they're getting so much help off the bench, and they've got guys stepping up, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent in particular. So they're different teams. Uh, Jokic, I, I think it's great. I said to Michael Malone yesterday, one of our pregame questions, like, is it possible a guy can be a two-time MVP, and this is kind of a coming out party for him, if you will. I just think a lot of, you know, more casual fans, the kind of people that hopefully watch and listen to the finals are going to see this guy for the first time. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. I mean, how much impact he has on a game and how well he plays. So I'm, I'm anxious to get it going. I really am. The first game is always a little strange to begin with. And then this one on top of that, you got a team that hasn't played in nine days and another team that's coming out of a seven-game series and just had to jump across the country a little bit. So um, you, you don't know what's going to go into game one. From that point on, it's always interesting to watch the coaches and the players react to what happened in the previous game. Coach, before we jump into the X's and O's, I did want to touch on that a little bit of the rust versus rest argument. If you're in Eric Spolster's shoes, what concerns you the most? Is it the fact that the Denver Nuggets have had as much rest as they've had in comparison to you, or is it playing at altitude? Um, I don't know that it's either. I, I think Spo just wants to get it going. I mean, obviously the way he presents it to us and the way he presented it to his team was – this is what we've been doing. We've been in these long series where places where people did not expect us to be. Let's just get there. He, he likened his team actually to a Navy SEAL team yesterday. He said, just drop us in. We're ready to go. Uh, and, and that's his mentality. And the team, uh, you know, picks, picks that up. But I, I'm, I'm concerned. It's, it's not easy um, this time of the year. I, having said that, you know, we asked Michael, what have you been doing? We were with with him for that that whole series. It was four games. They were good games, but it was only four games. I, nine days off is even longer than the Adam Silver-LeBron All-Star break now. So it's um, – I'm anxious to see how they look. He said they're chomping at the bit. They want to go play, which I understand. But I, I think there's a lot to be said for being in game shape, playing, you know, night in, night out. Now, playing seven in a row – like Miami just played. I don't know if that's the ideal way to go at it either, but I, that's something that I want to see. I don't think we're going to see it in the first quarter necessarily. I mean, one team will get off to a good start or not. I hate those early early game leads anyhow, but I think there will be an impact on this game tonight in particular, and I, I don't know which way it's going to go, truly. I don't know which one. I, I suspect I'd rather be Michael, haven't had more time. I mean, they said they didn't know, you know until two days ago who they were going to be playing. It was true, but most of us, 
for a week thought for sure this was going to be the matchup. And then when Boston came down and won those two, everybody said, oh, it's going to be Boston now. So I'm sure the Denver guys, you have to prepare for both, but I, I have to think they were leaning Miami for a little bit anyhow. So I think they're more prepared to play the Heat than than they uh, might have been for the Celtics. P.J. Carlissimo, ESPN Radio NBA analyst, joining us. He, along with Kesty, Doris Burke, Rosgold, and Wude, have all the coverage beginning 7.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Uh, P.J., they have to defend Nikola Jokic. How can they possibly defend Nikola Jokic? Well, I mean, Bam's one of the best big defenders, if you will, in the league. But a lot of the reason that people say that is Bam is so exceptional in pick and rolls. They switch him on to smaller guys. He moves his feet so quickly. Um, the truth is he's not a great shot blocker. He does have good length, but the, the, what makes Nikola so one of the many things that makes him so unique is his size. I mean, he's just, he's a load. He's not just tall. He's big and strong also. So, I mean, he tests, you know, he, he tests you in a lot of different ways. I'm really anxious to see. I don't think it'll be one thing. It certainly won't be one defense over the course of the, uh, of the series, but Spoh's team is versatile. He's going to throw different things at Nicola. Both coaches are going to say to say, how do you stop Jimmy? Uh, Butler, how do you stop Jamal Murray? How do you stop Nicole? You, you, you can't stop a guy that good. you got to just show him different looks. Uh, he's uh, really difficult because they put him up top. He sees the floor so well. He can shoot threes. He's not a good passer. He's an exceptional passer, but he's so tall. Um, one of the things Miami does better than maybe anybody in the league is create turnovers. They force turnovers, and that obviously feeds into some fast break points, which they're going to need in this game. Uh, they get a lot of deflections. They're, they're number one in deflections. I don't know, somebody in a little room somewhere uh, keeping track of all those deflections, but they're very good at it. Uh, Nicola is not an easy one. He will turn it over. I mean, like people sometimes see him say, hey, he had three or four turnovers. Yeah, but he had 12 or 13 assists also. Mm. Uh, there will be turnovers, but uh, I, I just don't know what you do. He's playing, if anything, he's playing even better right now. I, I was surprised. I know voter fatigue or whatever the hell the reasons people were given. Um, if you didn't think he was the best player in the league in the regular season, there's something the matter with you, I, I think, to begin with. But if you've watched the playoffs since then, there is no question who the best player in the NBA is right now uh, is Nikola Jokic. So that's going to be an, an incredible challenge, not just for Bam, but however Spo chooses to go at him. Talking to former NBA head coach and ESPN Radio NBA analyst P.J. Carlissimo on Greeny. And, and Coach, three-point shooting has been such a big part of the Miami Heat's run to the NBA Finals. They're shooting 46% on wide-open threes, which is the best mark according to second spectrum in the playoffs over the last five years. So I guess, I guess my question to you would be, knowing how good Denver has been defensively at running teams off of the three-point line, which strength wins out in this series and why? Uh, you, you're right on it. To me, the two biggest, and it, it always changes as the series evolves, but the two biggest things to watch are turnovers because Miami depends on them so much and because Denver's number one. Denver's been the best uh, in, in the playoffs at turning the ball over. I'm trying to look while I'm talking to you. 11.4 turnovers, which is exceptional a game. But you've got two teams that are very good taking care of the ball. Miami's much better creating turnovers. Denver's not a, a turnover team in terms of, what they do with the, with their opponents. They kind of stay between them and the basket. As you said, they do a very good job running teams off the line. 
both of these teams really depend on and need the three. Again, they're one and two in the playoffs. It's no accident that they're here. They're not the big volume teams necessarily. Um, you know, uh, Miami takes a few more than Denver takes, but they both shoot it extremely well. They both have multiple shooters. I mean, usually on the floor with them, always three, sometimes four other shooters. And what works really well for Miami, Bam and Jimmy are so good attacking the rim that that puts pressure on your, you know, your internal defense. You got to help. Those guys are too good usually to play one on one. And as soon as you go to try and help, you have the, that litany of shooters who have been on fire for for Miami, but also for Denver. I mean, you know, if you said what are the two numbers I'm looking at the most, it's going to be turnovers, um, more so from Denver's standpoint. Denver's got to take care of the the two games they played in the regular season. Denver shot 60%, just under 60 from the field, 50 from three, and they were two close games. There were like 33 lead changes in the two games, but they turned the ball over 33 times in the two games. So they got to take care of the ball against Miami's defense and which team is going to be stepping up, uh, you know, making threes. They both have been very hot. Uh, I asked Spo yesterday, I don't know how they've improved. He just said, um, you know, it was a factor of their, their lineup wasn't whole the whole year. They had so many guys missing games and coming back, and that impacts shooters more. But right now, they got a whole bunch of guys on fire. They have like eight guys shooting a higher percentage right now in the playoffs than they did in the regular season. And, you know, usually everybody's oh, well, it's harder to score in the playoffs. The defense is better, blah, blah, blah. Um, these two teams are contradicting that. They're both playing even better offensively than they did in the regular season. PJ, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Have a great call and enjoy the series. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Great being with you. You too. PJ Carlissimo, of course, former NBA college coach, ESPN Radio NBA analyst. He is on the call with Mark Kestisher, Doris Burke, Roz Goldon Wude on ESPN Radio. Coverage begins 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight, uh, Eastern time tonight, game one of the NBA Finals, 8.30 p.m on ABC. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. I, I I had to ask you about this this morning because I had a brutal trip in and I saw the worst of the worst, Canty. I'm going into the Holland Tunnel. I'm on line at the Holland Tunnel. Yeah. There are two car line, two lanes at the Holland Tunnel and there is a shoulder for those who don't know. Yeah, people routinely go on the shoulder and routinely get nabbed by police. This woman in a very, very high end car goes straight up the shoulder all the way to the front Mm -hmm. to where the shoulder ends. Police officer pulls up after I just sat in with everybody else. 30 minutes of it. Police officer pulls up right behind her, turns on the lights. I'm like, all right, good. It's going to get her right. Let her go. <laughs> All he did, he turned on the lights, so everybody had to let them in. Mm-hmm. Let them both in. Never pulled her over. Never ah. pulled her over. So that was an escort. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That's that the was weird es- thing. It wasn't. Like, I was paying attention to the whole dynamic of everything. He had the lights on. It said, ma'am, ma'am, you have to move it. You know, move into the lane. And it sounded like he's going to pull her over. Because there's a spot like 50 yards ahead. How do people get away with that? Well, it it sounds like he didn't want to have to deal with the paperwork. (laughs) 
on the other side of Memorial Day weekend. It's yeah, the yeah. unofficial start to summer. He's like, look, I ain't got time for that. I, I don't feel like writing it up. Ma'am, you know you're supposed to get in. All right, you got in. You took advantage. Have a nice day. I mean, there are places where it is somewhat acceptable to cut the line in traffic. Sometimes that is not one of them. Where everybody else has just waited 30 minutes. Hold on. So what are the places and what are the times when it's acceptable to cut the line? Because if I could get away with it, I would every single time. I would say that, for instance, there is there's at a particular exit. If you don't realize that you have uh, when you've done it by accident, basically, when you don't realize that this is your exit Mm -hmm. and then you pull in late. You kind of have to have that apologetic look like, oh, I'm sorry, I know. I, I think it's acceptable when you have screwed it up and you didn't realize that's where your exit was. Okay, it's, so I, I, I'm one that's the tailgate master when it comes to that, right? Okay. I'm not going to be the first car that does it, right? but I'm going to jump behind the person that decides they're going to get on the shoulder and ride it and cut over because as soon as they cut in, I'm cutting in front of them. And that way I don't feel as bad. If, if, if they're going to buck the system, I feel like I should take advantage of what they're doing, right? Think about that. Like, it's just the logic of it. If you're going to cheat the system and you're going to, you know, get on the shoulder, drive up and cut back in, I feel like it's only fair that I be allowed to pull up and cut in front of you. So it's, as long as you're not the first one to do it, exactly. you're just going to follow exactly. suit. It's sound logic. And here's, here's the mindset, right? The person that does it already feels guilty, right? You, you've cut in front of all of these other people. I don't know. You Sometimes know you're taking advantage. And so they have, to, they have to let me in. Like, if they don't let me in, it is guaranteed that that person driving the car that cut in front of all of those other people but won't let me in, it's guaranteed that that person is a sociopath. Guaranteed. I've seen it. I mean, have you been on the New Jersey Turnpike lately? Yeah. Because if that's the case, it's full of sociopaths. There's a a lot of that. But here's my thing. It's just like, if you're going to drive up and cut, I feel like I am well within my rights to pull up and cut in front of the person that just cut everybody else. I'm not a road rage guy, but this was one of those mornings when I saw that where I wish I had a demolition derby car. (laughs) Because <laughs> I absolutely would have. It was a very, very high end car that 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 pulled this too. So and if it was a Honda Accord, would you have felt better about the situation, or not as bad about the? I situation? I wouldn't have felt as bad about the situation, but this was clearly somebody that had no remorse for their actions. So whatsoever. just somebody you felt like they had an elitist mentality. Oh, it was it was so clear, and I was not the only what one. What kind of car was it? Around. Huh? What kind of car was it? A Leave very high end BMW. A BMW, okay. Yes, a very, very high-end BMW. Gotcha. I, I love BMWs. They're great cars, but hey, this, Carlin. this woman? Ooh. Sorry. Yeah. Really, there was no need for you to do it, Bubba. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.